0: Hi there, this is Rich Bello, and I want to welcome you to The Enrichment Show by Aruta. Each week, we'll be bringing you some personal and professional inspiration. We hope you enjoy the show. Today, we're going to focus on the topic of emotional mastery, specifically why emotional mastery is important, what emotions are, and what their purpose is. What role does the brain play? The physical aspect. What two roles does the mind play? The mental aspect. And then the top 10 keys to emotional mastery. So let's get after it. So we're gonna do a little summary, right? In summary, the top 10 reasons why emotional mastery is important. Number one, there are three ways that people deal with emotions. They're unaware of them and they impulsively act on them. Or they're aware of them, yet still act impulsively on them because they don't think they can do anything about them. Or, they're aware of them, but work to master them because they understand that they can do something about them and understand the importance of this mastery to having a fulfilling, happy, and successful life. Number two, the quality of our emotions is equal to the quality of our life, simply put. Number three, goals are always about the positive emotion we get from them, not the attainment of the stated goal itself. Number four, in various areas of success, your life Your career, relationships, leadership, sports, mastering your emotions is even more important and probably far more important than your innate intelligence, otherwise known as your IQ. Number five, emotions are resources to get you what you want. Learn how to use them to do so. Don't let them use you. (laughs) Number six, your emotions are like a compass. Positive emotions will tell you that you're on the right path. Negative emotions will tell you that you're on the wrong path. Get back on track. The path biologically is survival. The path psychologically is happiness and fulfillment. But remember, the signals aren't always right. Now, number seven is both positive and negative emotions can be helpful in getting us to our goal of survival and fulfillment. The key is whether they are resourceful or unresourceful to us. We need to use the resources that they avail. For example, anger can be good under the right circumstances if we use it in the right way, if we can use those resources. Number eight, Emotions are merely impulse messages as a result of a stimulus that suggests to us how we should react based on how we've reacted previously to the same or similar, similar stimulus, our memory. Number nine, the brain has two main areas. The old brain where the amygdala resides and the new brain where the prefrontal cortex resides. The old brain and the new brain work together with emotions to get you to the right results. You need to know how to work with them. That's mastering your emotions. And number 10. The old brain links stimuli to its memory banks to see see how this situation or a similar situation was handled previously and recommended to the new brain via an emotion. What action, or better yet, what reaction to take based on what we did before. The new brain then needs to use its reasoning capabilities to do some due diligence on this recommendation, to decide whether to take that action or not, or some variation of it. We basically have two minds. We have the old layer or the lower mind which biologically is where the limbic system is which houses the amygdala we also have the new layer or the upper mind which biologically is where the neocortex is and that's where the prefrontal cortex resides the way that cause and effect works its way through these two minds is really fascinating first the lower mind takes in stimuli from either the outside world or even from a thought inside our minds. Our subconscious mind doesn't really understand the difference between the two, thinks everything's real. So our imagination, for instance. Then it matches that stimulus against the memory bank and looks for matches from the past so they can advise us what is the best response to take from that particular stimulus. This is a very fast process and is often referred to as fast thinking, a term popularized by Dan Kahneman. It sends its best recommendation via an emotion, an emotional signal to the new brain or the upper mind which is where the PFC or prefrontal cortex is located. This is often referred to as a bottoms-up process. The PFC examines the emotion and applies a reasoning process to it to check it out, see if it makes sense, a due diligence process, if you will. The old brain, you see, usually overreacts. That's its job, it's looking for danger. It's impulsive because it wants us to act fast but the new brain usually usually realizes after applying some reasoning that the emotion should be changed to something that would lead to a better outcome. This is referred to as regulation. It sends the regulated emotion back down to the old brain, which usually calms down the emotions. Like, okay, now it's calming this emotion down, right? takes the brain's new brain suggestion. The revised emotion then is sent back up to the new brain, which then proceeds to make a decision as to which action to take or which reaction, right? This is the response to the stimuli and of course results in some type of effect to complete the cycle. So now let's get to the first key to emotional mastery. The first key is awareness of emotions. You wanna be aware of an emotion as soon as it's occurring or soon thereafter, right? The faster you're aware of the emotion, the better. Many people aren't even aware of their emotions. They just blindly do whatever the emotion tells them to. Within reason, of course, so there are some social norms that keep them in check, right? Um, so you don't want to suppress the emotion either, though. You want to deal with it. Have the attitude of curiosity. If you suppress the emotion, it'll only come back and more intensely usually. So and that'll even be harder to deal with. So now this is different than analyzing the emotion and letting it go if it doesn't make sense. That's great to be able to do, but don't suppress it. You also don't want to blindly accept your emotions. They should be investigated. The great architect added the prefrontal cortex to your brain just for this reason. Use it, analyze the emotion. During this step, you also want to identify the category of emotion and welcome it into your PSC. Welcome anger, how can I help you? This next step may be the most important step of all, because if you're able to do this one, You can focus on the rest of the steps. When you feel and are aware of a strong emotion, hit the pause button. Your inclination is to act quickly to release the tension from the emotion, but instead train yourself when you feel a strong emotion for non-action instead of action. Pausing when you feel an emotion is the most important thing that you can do. When you feel and are aware of a strong emotion, hit the pause button. Your inclination is to act quickly, to release the tension from the emotion, but instead train yourself when you feel a strong emotion for non-action instead of action. Develop an attitude of curiosity. If you can figure out how to master your emotions, you have a superpower that will last you the rest of your lifetime. I love the Viktor Frankl quote on this topic. Between stimulus and response, there's a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth, and our freedom. That's Viktor Frankl. That pretty much sums it up. Keep in mind that we can keep pausing all along the process, not just here. By the way, the best time to focus on implementing your plan is when you're first aware of the emotion. Once it grows because you haven't taken care of it, the harder it becomes to implement the emotional mastery process, right? For example, you may start out being a little annoyed about something, but if you don't pause, that may become frustration which then, if you don't pause there, that can become anger. And if you don't pause there, that can become rage. Once it's at the rage stage, good luck hitting the pause button. The idea here is to kill the monster while it's tiny. A nice tactic to employ once you've been able to become aware of your emotion and implement the pause button is to breathe. Just breathe for a few seconds. Why? Why would you do that? Strong emotions tend to activate our sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight response. This is a very powerful response and very stressful. It's a stressful activation. It increases your heart rate, causes uh, muscle tightness, releases cortisol into your system, and a whole host of other physiological reactions that can be damaging over long periods of time. It also closes down your prefrontal cortex and thus your ability to reason. Now, breathing activates the opposite and balancing system, the parasympathetic nervous system. This turns down the sympathetic nervous system. When one goes up, the other automatically goes down. This relieves the stress, engages your prefrontal cortex, and allows you to focus more clearly on your ability to reason, which is necessary to master your emotions. Ah, gratitude. Once you're ready to take on the analysis, the actual emotion, so you can respond in a way that ultimately serves your best long-term interest, it's a good idea to give some appreciation to this emotional guidance system itself. Remember, we were provided with emotions to keep us alive. That's their purpose. We're very fortunate to have them. Positive emotions tell us we're on the right track. Negative emotions tell us we're on the wrong track and give us the resources we need to get back on track. The only reason we have to go through this process is because our environment has changed so quickly. So we need to utilize our prefrontal cortex to adapt to the new environment. This ex- exercise of feeling gratitude also serves to put you in the right mindset to, talent, to, to tackle this challenge. Now it's really important to understand the meaning of our emotions so we can understand the message because that's what emotions are. They're messengers. They're messages or signals to take some sort of action. So the first step in understanding the meaning of the emotion is to decide if the trigger itself is real or or imagined, right? Does the stimulus warrant the type of emotion that has been sent up from the amygdala to the old brain to the prefrontal cortex in the new brain? For example, the rope example that we used, right? Is the rope real or is it a snake? Oh, it was just a rope, false alarm. Let the emotion go. You're done right there. Right? Next, if it was real snake, right? What a cat, what category of emotion is it? Is it fear? Is it anger? Perhaps it's frustration. Give the emotion a name, understand the category. And that's important because we can ask then what's the meaning for that particular category, different categories of general meanings. For instance, the typical meaning of fear is potential harm. Is that true for this particular situation? Are you in actual danger? If so, proceed to what the appropriate reaction is in this circumstance. That'll be the next step. For now, we want to get the meaning right, though. For example, for fear, the usual action is, is that the action you take is to prepare. Prepare to fight or flight. Usually it's some derivation of this. For instance, if you have a fear of public speaking, the meaning is potential harm. In this instance, to your reputation, maybe not physical harm. And the message is to prepare. That's exactly what you should do. Right? you're going to give a public speech, you should prepare. That'll give you confidence to deliver a great speech. If the meaning of the emotion is not correct after your analysis, right? then reframe the meaning. Or in other words, change the meaning to something that will serve your best interest. Always ask, what else could this mean? Or how do I want to feel? Right? For instance, if you're feeling frustrated and believe the initial meaning is that you won't achieve your goal, ask yourself, what else can this mean? You may come up with something like, Usually when I'm frustrated, I use that energy to break through and achieve my goals. I'm very close to my goal. When I'm frustrated, what happens? You're usually almost at your goal. So in fact, I'm close or say you're lonely. Instead of that meaning, nobody wants to spend time with me, change the meaning to something that will serve you like, I'm going to use this pain to motivate me to come up with a plan to meet somebody and fall in love. Use your creativity. I don't know, right? Use the energy of the emotion to get what you want. A much better way to deal with emotions. The key here is to decide on a positive meaning. That's the bottom line. And really, this is the crux of the message behind my book, Chrysotunity. So once you have a solid meaning behind the emotion, it's now time to decide what action to take or not take. And then, of course, to take that action. The action's usually in the form of some behavior modification or communication modification, or it may be just to let that let go of the emotion. Just let it go, right? If you are wrong about the trigger, for instance. Here too, we're gonna need to use the reasoning abilities of our prefrontal cortex to decide what action to take. The action we take should be appropriate under the circumstances. Many times we take actions that are disproportionate to the meaning and therefore we don't get our desired outcome. Before deciding what action to take, get very clear on what the long-term outcome is that you want to achieve. Most people make the mistake of thinking short-term when dealing with emotions. They just want the negative emotion to go away. They want the feeling to go away. So they go for the short-term gratification solution instead. Lots of problems happen here. I was just coaching somebody today, and um, he was in a negotiation. Uh, So negotiations are so uncomfortable for people that they just want to give in, rather than hold out for what they want long term. So I encourage them to stick in there, go for the long term goal here. Don't go for the comfort, because then you'll just give in on the negotiation. Now once you're clear on what it is that you want, what your objective is, then decide what the best course of action is that you can take to achieve it. Again, categories of emotions have typical default actions. The default action for fear is to prepare. Right? because the meaning is potential harm. You better prepare. The default action for overwhelm is to prioritize, because the meaning of overwhelm is that you're overloaded with things. You got too many things on your plate, so prioritize. I like that one. I teach a whole course on that. Right? Uh, I have the full list of these meanings and actions on our website, so you can take a look at them. You, can them. you can download them for free. Now, once you decide what the appropriate action is to get your outcome, take that action. Don't look back you put hard work in, you've made the best decision you could with the information that you had available to you at the time, go do that. Take that action. Now, most people focus on negative emotions and how to deal with them. It's just as important we spend time focusing on how to cultivate positive emotions, emotions that inspire and motivate us to do those things that are in our best interest. We want to cultivate these positive emotions because emotions are the experience of life, one of the best quality of life. It's not things that give us the best experience. They may lead to better emotions, but they can also lead to painful negative emotions as well. Right? Things can. What we're after here are positive emotions. That's the end game. That's what this is all about. Right? So think about cultivating positive emotions that will provide you with long term fulfillment, not short term pleasure, which many times will lead you to long term pain. That's easy to see with diet. Eating unhealthy can bring about short-term positive emotions, but you'll pay the price in the long-term. Make it a habit to cultivate positive emotions. Our minds are like a garden. Emotions are like seeds in the garden. Plant positive emotional seeds and cultivate positive emotions. Weed out the negative emotions. Make room for the positive emotions to grow. Once the positive emotions grow and the roots are sturdier and deeper, there won't be any room left for negative emotions. If you focus on making it a habit of planting these positive emotions every day, your life will be like a wonderful garden of positive emotions. So how do you cultivate positive emotions? We have 10 that I go through um, on our website. You can go take a look at those. I'll go through a few um, here now. But for those who want them, take a look at our website. Um, it's free. You can download them on, on uh, at aruta.com. Okay, so let's take a look at a couple. Um, so gratitude, for instance, appreciation. Focus on what you have, not on what you don't have. Um, that's the meaning of gratitude, right? And how do you cultivate that? Maybe a gratitude journal, right? Habit of expressing appreciation for others' service. That's a good one. Uh, or in our morning meetings. We go around our morning meetings um, at rūta, and we basically, everybody goes around and gives one quick uh, thing that they're gratitude for, that, that they're grateful for. Um, curiosity, right? The meaning is to have a strong desire to learn something. So keep asking who, what, when, where, and how, right? That's curiosity. Um, determination, right? Persistence or determination, uh, persistence or continue firmly on course despite any challenges, right? And you know, so don't ever give up, right? Don't give up no matter how hard it is, right? That's just, you know, th- those are, those are a few. So let's talk about physiology and its impact on emotional mastery. So exercise, exercise has a positive effect on your mood. Also has been shown to reduce stress. Yoga especially is a good workout for stress relief. Exercise improves your energy levels and provides you with a sense of accomplishment, which also serves to improve your mood. It's thought that the improved emotions from exercise are the result of various neurotransmitters that are released when one is exercising, such as endorphins and cortisol. Cortisol levels can also be counterproductive, so you need to be careful. You should stick with enjoyable forms of exercise so that you actually stick with the exercise. Recommendations are 150 minutes of cardio uh, per week and then two days of strength training per week. Another physiological thing you can do to develop mastery over your emotions is sleep. Getting quality sleep is an easy way to make positive impact on both reducing your negative emotions and increasing your positive emotions. There are numerous studies that show that a lack of sleep impacts both positive and negative emotions. But do you really need the studies, it's pretty obvious, right, to you by now that at least on the negative mood side, that when you're sleep deprived, you're likely to be grouchy or grouchy if you're normally grouchy, and tend to snap at people you normally wouldn't. You may not notice, however, the impacts on positive mo- emotions that a lack of sleep has. Studies show that people tend to generally be less friendly, less empathetic, and generally have a lower level of positive moods when they're sleep deprived. An interesting study noted that when sleep deprived people and people achieve goals, they were less likely to feel as happy as those who had adequate sleep, and they achieved those goals. Why is this? Studies show that sleep deprivation made the old brain, specifically the amygdala, more sensitive sensitive to stimuli and increases negative emotions sent to the new brain. However, sleep deprivation also decreased the prefrontal cortex's ability to regulate the negative emotions, thus referring, resulting in what I call, in technical terms, a double whammy. So more negative emotions and less regulation of them. Get an adequate amount of sleep sleep seven to eight hours per night and keep to a regular routine. It's also recommended not to go to bed too late. Now, until recently, it was thought that we couldn't change the structure of our brain. Then at the turn of the century, it was discovered that we actually can, we can alter our brain. The brain is a dynamic organ and we can change its architectural structure throughout our lifetimes, even in old age. Our brains respond to our experiences either in positive ways or negative ways, and especially our habitual thinking patterns. This is a really important discovery and it's the basis upon which we learn and retain memories. This adaptability is referred to as neuroplasticity. In scientific terms, that means we have the ability to wire our brains for new collections and rewire existing connections to make them even stronger. That's also called practice. It gives us a means to change our behavioral, behavioral mental tendencies, which is obviously crucial for emotional mastery. The bottom line is that it makes it possible for us to change dysfunctional thinking patterns and therefore our behavior. It allows us to master our emotions. We can create new connections for new habits that we want to instill, strengthen existing connections and weaken connections of poor habits so that they no longer have any power over us. It's also clear that the brain needs to be exercised, use it or lose it. Now, a couple of the more powerful ways this can be done are meditation. You can literally see the brain matter changing in positive ways over time in studies of those who meditate. Another way is by developing a purpose in life. This one really intrigues me as it's something we teach. Finding a career that you love can change your brain in positive ways. It's not surprising, but it's interesting that we can now prove this with science. I'm quite sure that developing the habits to master your emotions will result in establishing positive neural connections in your brain while also weakening those that don't serve you. Mindsets are predetermined attitudes or thinking patterns of the mind that originate from either our direct experience or from the experiences of others. Remember, the genesis of an emotion is when a stimulus is taken into the limbic system of the brain and specifically the amygdala, right? otherwise affectionately known as the old brain. So the stimulus is taken into the old brain. This is where the memories are stored. The old brain then links up that stimulus with a memory so they can send a recommended course of action to the new brain via prefrontal cortex. These memories are in the form of mindsets. It links the stimulus with a particular mindset and then out comes an emotion, an emotion that's consistent with the mindset. Unless the mindset is overridden by the prefrontal cortex, the prefrontal cortex will agree with the emotion and take action consistent with that emotion, and that's the mindset. Mindsets can be in the form of beliefs or instincts or cognitive biases. So The process is stimulus, connects to a mindset, produces an emotion, the emotion goes to our upper brain, our new brain, does its job there, and then comes back down. It's important that we focus on the mindsets as they hold the key to our emotional mastery. This is the first step in the process where our brain searches for the right initial emotion. If we get the initial emotion right, then we don't have to go through this whole process. As an example, I'm working on training my brain right now for the mindset of crisitunity, which is the name of my book, right, that we talk about. Uh, crisitunity means to look for the opportunities when crisis occurs. Most people will automatically go into a negative mindset when something bad happens, when a crisis happens. I'm training my brain to rewire, so to speak, um, uh, remember neuroplasticity, to rewire, to produce a positive emotion when some crisis happens. Instead of getting angry or sad or depressed, I'm training my brain to produce the emotion of excitement when something bad happens right? Not easy, right? I'm training the mindset. Crisis means opportunity. It can mean an opportunity to help, to serve others, to provide some type of service. They're usually in need if there's a if there's a crisis. It can be an opportunity to learn. There can be some sort of financial opportunity. The opportunities are endless. The key is to understand that mindsets are the master key to our emotional mastery. So this is sort of like a prequel as we're ending with a beginning, but it's important to understand the process so that we can understand the importance of mindsets. Now we're gonna summarize the top 10 keys to master your emotions. Number one, awareness, right? Be aware of your emotions as soon as they're occurring. This takes practice and should be instilled as a habit. Get curious about your emotions. Number two, pause before you react. In fact, make it a habit of non-action, non-reaction when you feel an emotion. Gives you time to do your due diligence on the emotion, to get curious about it, to decide the best course of action. Do not trust your initial instinct that is often not in your best interest. Of course, if it's something that's an emergency, you won't be able to pause, it'll just happen. You have a car coming at you, boom, you're gonna jump. You have a tiger running at you, you're gonna go, right? So don't worry about that. Number three, breathe. Breathe as soon as you feel the emotion. In fact, take a few breaths. This engages the parasympathetic nervous system, which balances out the sympathetic nervous system, stress, right, gives you stress. Sympathetic nervous system is activated by the emotion, especially strong emotions. Sympathetic nervous system engages the fight or flight response, which causes stress, right? The parasympathetic nervous system causes calm, calms you down, balances that out. Number four appreciation express appreciation or gratitude that we have this emotional guidance system in the first place specifically for the particular emotion that you're feeling feel appreciation for that a moment welcome it into your into your home to relax into your internal home right relax come on in come on in anger let's ex- let's explore why we have anger number 5 meaning there's really three steps here right to determine the meaning first decide if the trigger itself is real Many times, a stimulus isn't what you initially thought it was, right? A rope instead of a snake. If it's false, let it go. If it's real, then move on to understand the meaning. Does the initial meaning we've given to this emotion serve our best interest for the outcome I want in this, situ- in this situation? If the answer is no, then come up with a better meaning that will serve our best interest, right? A good way to do, to do this is to ask, what else could this mean? Keep asking that until you come up with a meaning that serves you. Right? Serves your best interest. Then decide what action to take, right? This is step six. Decide what the appropriate action or response is to the trigger or cause or stimulus. And then of course, take that action. Don't look back. Now, the action must be an appropriate action, right? Don't kill a fly with a sledgehammer. That's probably not, good deci- not a good decision to make, right? May not even be a good decision to kill the fly in the first place. Number seven. Cultivate, cultivate positive emotions. Remember that the quality of our lives is equal to the quality of our emotions. We wanna have positive emotions. Spend time cultivating positive emotions like gratitude. Right? Have a daily gratitude journal. Before our daily team meeting, like I said, we go around and we tell each other one thing that we are grateful for. Right? Cultivate that emotion. Number eight, physiology. Here we're talking about sleep and exercise. They have direct impacts on the quality of your emotions. There are all kinds of studies to prove this. Get your eight hours of sleep per night and get plenty of aerobic and anaerobic exercise. Number nine, neuroplasticity. Our brains are moldable from the day we're born to the day we die. We can wire them for the things that we want and stop using the connections that we don't want. Weakens those connections. This is a really important concept. We can wire our brains to react to stimuli in a positive fashion, giving us positive emotions. Number ten, mindset. Our mindsets are predetermined thinking patterns that are the genesis for our emotions. They are held in our memory and associated with any given stimulus to produce a certain emotion. We can improve our mindsets, which will improve our emotions, thus changing the quality of our lives for the better. Now it's time to put this into action. Remember, knowledge does not apply itself. I'm I'm going to give you all a challenge, right? This is your homework here, okay? So um, the challenge is, to instill these positive mindsets and eradicate the negative ones, if you're up to it. It's a great opportunity. So this is called the 10-Day Positive Mental Diet or 10-Day Positive Mental Challenge. So the first rule is, for the next 10 consecutive days, refuse to dwell on any unresourceful thoughts or feelings. Refuse to indulge in any disempowering questions or negative vocabulary, either to yourself or to others. The second rule, when you catch yourself beginning to focus on the negative, and you will, you are to immediately snap yourself out of it and then change your thinking or state. You can do this by asking empowering questions such as, what's great about this? Or what else can this mean? Or you can refrain from any negative thoughts that come up. For example, if you catch yourself saying, this sucks, you're gonna replace it with, this is awesome. In addition, you can set yourself up for success each morning for the next 10 days by developing a morning ritual to get yourself into a peak emotional state each day. Okay, rule three. For the next 10 days, make certain that your whole focus in life is on solutions, not problems. Now you need to focus first on the problem and identify the problem, but then focus on the solution. Don't keep harping on the problem. The minute you see a possible challenge, immediately focus on what the solution could be after you focus on what the problem is. Rule four. If you backslide, and you will, that is if you catch yourself indulging in or dwelling on an unresourceful thought or emotion, don't beat yourself up. There's no problem with that as long as you change it immediately. However, if you continue to dwell on an unresourceful thought or a feeling for more than a minute, you must wait until the following morning to start the 10 days all over again. Don't screw this up. <laughs> Right? The goal of this program is 10 consecutive days without holding or dwelling on a negative thought or state. The starting over process must happen no matter how many days in a row you've already accomplished the task. You might be on day nine, you're almost there, and then you get angry at somebody. Now, if you take on this 10-day mental diet challenge, it will do four things for you. Number one, it will make you acutely aware of all the habitual mental and emotional patterns that you have, the patterns that are holding you back. Number two, it will make your brain search for empowering alternatives to them, especially when you train yourself to look for empowering meetings to stimuli. Number three, it will give you an incredible sense of confidence, as you'll learn that you can literally change your emotional, state to, uh, your emotional state from a negative one to a positive one in an instant. Most importantly, number four, is it will create new habits, new standards for you, and new expectations that will help you expand more than you could have ever believed. Who knows, maybe you'll even want to continue after the 10 days maybe for the rest of your life. Now the best way to stay accountable to this is to commit via public declaration to friends, family members, coworkers, that you're going to do this 10 day mental diet challenge. This will help to make you stay accountable and show your level of commitment to complete it. Beware though, they're going to push your buttons, your husband, your wife, your kids, your subordinates, your best friend, all the people you thought that loved you and wanted to support you, no, they want you to fail. Why would they want you to fail? They want you to fail because they'll see how successful it is. They know it's hard, but then they're going to have to do it. All right, so beware. So how else can you win this challenge when you're challenging yourself, really? Right? How else can you win? The pause, remember old friend, the pause. Pause between stimulus and response. Ask, what else can this mean? Because the subconscious mind is going to give you a pre-programmed answer. You need to analyze that answer to see if it will lead you to the most desirable outcome. Remember, it's the pause that gives you a chance here. Don't blow it. The key is to decide on a meeting that will serve you, that will lead you to the best effect, that will lead you to the ultimate best outcome. Your husband or wife's gonna push your buttons when you get home from a hard day at work, the stimulus. Don't take the bait. Decide on the best outcome that you want. Good luck. Okay, so I'm throwing a lot of great stuff at you. But remember, knowledge does not apply itself. You must make the application. Only you can make the application. Now, an excellent way to apply the knowledge in addition to doing your homework is to hire a coach. We have them, but even if you don't choose one of our coaches, go out and get one somewhere. At least get an accountability buddy. Now, coaches work with you to identify your top goals and then to hold you accountable for their achievement. You can sign up for a coach at arutat.com. I love our coaches. Hey, feel free to download our new book, crisis Finding the Opportunity in Crisis. It's free. Developing a crisis tuning mindset is a great example of applying what you've hopefully learned in this webinar. Go to aruta.com and download it. And finally, if you have any questions, please feel to reach out to us at aruta.com and remember to make some thoughtful comments to contribute to the greater good. Do your homework. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening. Remember, knowledge does not apply itself. You must make the application. Visit Aruta.com for more information and to sign up for a complimentary coaching session today.